Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, your friends. Man, it has been such an amazing month of the new year, hasn't it? Now, we actually took last week off because if I'm being fully honest, I had the flu and pneumonia and I just got super duper behind with all things life. So please, please, please forgive me. Now, this is why the more you guys support us, the more I'll actually be able to afford a bigger team here at Heart of Dating, which would be awesome. Now, all that to say, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while and you actually do want to support us in a bigger way, there are two different things you can do. First, you can visit us on Patreon to join our Patreon clan. This is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And there you can actually pledge any dollar amount to financially support what we're doing. These payments will come out of your account monthly at the beginning of the month. You can pledge $1, $5, $10, any dollars, anything would actually mean the world to us to just have your financial support as we continue this mission to bring you incredible content to the dating world. Now, thing number two that you can do to help and support us is you can write us a review. You can go right ahead on iTunes and scroll right to the bottom and hit the star button to rank us. And then you can hit the write a review button to review us. It actually helps us get discovered more than you know. So truly friends, it means so, so much. And we'd love to have you review us. So far, you have just stunned us with your beautiful, incredible reviews. Recently, Tori Ross said, With recently going through a breakup and becoming single again, I have realized how hard dating is. This podcast has offered me some of the best dating advice and is something that I look forward to listening to each week. I definitely recommend this podcast to all the single people out there. Yeah, Tori, that is so awesome. I'm so glad this can bless and encourage you during your breakup. You got this girl. Oh, I'm so glad we have you here. All right, so let me introduce our guest for today. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Scott Kadersha, who is a Dallas-based marriage pastor at Watermark Church. He is also a conference speaker, a popular blogger, and now an author. Hey, yo. Scott has worked with thousands of couples and has learned an immense amount about what they struggle with, as well as what they specifically need to discuss before getting married. So just this week, he launched his new book, Ready or Not, a book to help couples wrestle through the 12 critical conversations they need to have, as well as the questions they need to answer before getting married. So today, Scott and I go over some of these essential questions and we address things such as emotional intimacy, conflict, friendship, communication, spiritual intimacy, so many things. Also friends, each chapter has questions intended for individual reflection that you can do on your own or also with your partner. Y'all, Scott is so, so wonderful and I think you are gonna get so much from this rich conversation today. Scott Kadersha, yes. Welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast today, friend. So glad to have you. Thank you. Good to be here with you. This is awesome. You're down in Dallas. I love my friends down in Dallas. (laughs) It's the best. I love being being here, being in Texas. It's a good place to be, raise my family and all that. Oh, it is a good place to raise a family. It's so true. My mom's always trying to get me to move back to Dallas or back to Texas. I'm like, I don't know, mom, maybe, but you're right. With the family stuff, it's a good place to raise a family. So maybe one of these days. I think you should listen to your mom and follow her advice and move back to Texas. Yeah. I'm going to just make yeah. sure she doesn't listen to this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's going to use that and be like, see, Kate, uh-huh. see all the people want you to come back to Dallas. Oh, that yeah. make her so happy. Um, so anyway, for everyone listening to, I want... I want everyone to know that Scott is just such a gracious human being because we had to reschedule our interview a few times. And the last time I was just incredibly sick with the flu. So you, Scott, are just so great. You're so graceful. So I just want to thank you and let everyone know and just call you out for all your grace and patience with me. Oh, <laughs> well, you're kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
And so let's just get into it. So for everyone who doesn't know who you are, Scott, you work at Watermark Church, right, in Dallas. And I think you are the director of marriage ministry and the director also of newly marriage married ministry. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, a little dual role. I love it. And actually, you're yeah. friends with JP, too, who we also had on the podcast. So you guys are just the dream team down at Watermark. <laughs> wow, man. I love JP. He's been an incredible, incredible influence in my life and friend. And uh, down in Waco now, you know, just left uh, our staff a couple of weeks ago. And that's right. He's killing it in Waco at his new church, uh, Harris Creek Church, which is another great Church, we just miss him, and I miss yeah. him. He's, he's always been a great friend. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, so cool that he's, like, going on to new things yeah. and such a blessing for him and the people down in Waco. Um, but speaking of new things and new journeys, um, I want to just ask you and talk about what you have going on right now because you, Scott, just launched a book. This is amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's so, it's so fun. It is uh it's like, you know, I never grew up wanting to be a writer. Like, in fact, I, <laughs> I avoided all of the English and literature classes. Those are all the classes I never wanted. And so it's kind of crazy to, to think about writing a book. But the last few years, it's been like the number one thing I've wanted to do. And it's fun to see that, you know, that dream come true. You know, my, yeah. my wife's been so supportive. Our, my teammates are church. So it's really fun to see it happen. That is amazing. And isn't it funny that God works that way, right? You're like, uh, I could never be an author or like English was my worst call or worst yeah. uh, subject or whatever. And oh. now you're like doing that, right? It's like, but what's cool about writing and the kind of book that you're writing is, uh, you know, there's so much of your personal story you can share and bring in other people's stories. And I love that about your book specifically, which I read, um, and it's called, just so everyone can know what it's called, Ready or Not. Uh, and I love that both you incorporated your stories into it as well as other people's stories, which is really cool um, and something you don't always see in books these days. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about this Ready or Not book and and kind of what inspired you to write it. Yeah, so part of that with the stories, you know, I, I, I love reading. So I'm not a, not like I haven't been a writer my whole life, but I've always loved to read. Mm. And so I'm a big fan of books. But what one thing I've learned over the years is that books are helpful. But what's I think much more helpful is being with real people. Yeah. And so instead of just regurgitating a bunch of good content or you know helpful content, I thought it'd be, this would be better if we actually tell it through real real stories. And so there's yeah. twelve conversations we say every couple needs to have before marriage. And so instead of me just teaching through my own marriage and every one of those conversations, I said, let me go to real people I know, marriages I, I know and I trust and that I've learned mm -hmm. so much from and I think other couples would learn from. And so every chapter is on a different topic. So, yeah. you know, all the ones you'd expect, money, sex, communication, in-laws. And instead of just <laughs> me teaching through it, I said, let me get a couple who's walked through that mm. and, and come on the other side with some really good kind of victory in their marriage or growth in the process. And so let me teach through telling their story. Which is awesome that you're doing that because while you're, you and you of course pull examples from your marriage too, but I think that's great because it gives uh, like the reader and everyone like who buys the book, just a variety of opinions, a variety of things that might happen to lots of different people. And so it gives it just more of a widespread reach, I feel like, because you're kind of tapping from lots of different situations and from your years of experience, we're Working as the director of marriage ministry. So yeah. I love yeah. it. So specifically, this book obviously is more so derived for people who are engaged, right? Or like in that last stages of relationship to maybe even thinking about getting engaged. I yeah, could be too, yeah, right? kind of the, like the seriously dating couples, yeah. like not on, you know, not don't read this on like date one or two, but if <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like guys, if you're thinking of putting a ring on it, ladies, if you think, He's about to put a ring on it. That's a great time to read it. Engage couples for sure. And then even, you know, newlyweds who yeah, maybe didn't have any kind of prep, it'd be helpful. I, and I'd even go, Kate, you know, like singles who want to know what is marriage supposed to look like. Right. That's good. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then even married couples who just want a good, it, you know, it's so authentic yes. just because it's teaching through the stories of people I know. It's biblical. It's super practical. And so anyone would benefit from it. But the primary audience or those who are like in that serious, seriously dating, engaged, newly married stage of life. Yeah. And what I love about it too, is that 
I think it's a great couple for couple or a great couple, a great book for couples to do together because both to read the chapters, which are really easy to read. They have the stories, they have the learnings and you always have like the top takeaways. Like you're like, okay, here are like the five top things to handle conflict or whatever. And, um, and then you have the questions at the end. So it really breaks it down in a way that is an easy read and very practical and gives you the lessons and gives you questions to go through. So for me, I was like, this is amazing as I was reading it because you can really take what you're learning and apply it, which is just so, it's so helpful in that kind of a, you know, we read lots of books these days, but then how do we actually draw conclusions from them, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's an awesome way that you broke it down. Thank you. So I kind of today want to go through some of the conversations and some of the top conversations you recommend having, uh, specifically in engagement, specifically before marriage, or just as you said, in general. But um, I think today I want to start with one of my favorite topics because, well, (laughs) I don't know if it's like my (laughs) favorite topic, but I think it's an area that trips us all up immensely. And that's the topic of conflict, which I know you address in the book. And so you know, many couples find conflict to really be a major red flag. But ultimately, the reality is that a lot of us have a lot of conflict. A lot of us go through conflict. It's not always just what you see on social media with all the pretty photos and people smiling and the cute little engagement photos. No, there is conflict usually most likely behind that. Um, It's rare that it will never happen. So if conflict, you know, is near impossible to totally and completely avoid, and if by having it, we shouldn't assume that the person is wrong for us, because I don't think that if we have conflict, the person is necessarily wrong for us. I guess the question then is, um, how can we have healthy conflict? What do you think about what healthy conflict looks like? It's great. Great question. So, you know, one, it's, I'll just say from, you know, off the top, just not that this should be a surprise to anyone, but, you know, I'm, Married to Kristen, 17 and a half years. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a, a really strong, healthy marriage, but we work through conflict all the time. And, and that doesn't mean, and, and one of the big things I think is just yeah. reframing that word conflict. Sometimes we think that, like, I'm not talking about, you know, like it starts to escalate and we're throwing things and we're yelling right. at each other and we're like, or anything even remotely close to anything physical or any abuse. Mm-hmm. The word conflict, the way that when I use it in this book and we often talk about it, is just disagreements, arguments. It, it's real life. And so yeah. if you bring together two human beings, you know, so a man growing up in one family, a woman growing up in another, you bring them together into marriage, you bring two selfish people into a relationship, whether dating, engaged, married, married for a long time, yeah. you're going to have disagreements, <laughs> right? You, like so my friend, yeah, like I grew up in a single parent family home with one younger brother. My dad died when I was real young. Mom remarried a couple of years later. So a blended family. Kristen grew up in a home where mom and dad still married, one younger sister, military family, always on time, always did everything right. <laughs> she lived a really kind of pure life for the most part. I, I was an idiot for <laughs> you know, for, for most of my life until I was you know, 22, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And and then you bring those two human beings together who have opinions and personalities and preferences. And so you're going to have conflict. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And one of the, one of my biggest concerns is when I see a couple and they say, well, we never fight about anything. And, and I think that's probably because you're not really being honest with each other. If you're, right. if you're a real human being and a real couple, you're going to have disagreements at times. I completely agree. And it to me, it also might indicate if you have absolutely zero conflict that you might not be getting very vulnerable with one another. Yeah. Uh, I, and I really think that that can only withstand for a certain amount of time before, yeah. you know, you can either some resentment builds and someone eventually snaps or you just feel you end up feeling very distant and, and feeling yeah. like you have to be perfect, which is like yeah. impossible for anyone. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So what are some of the things that we could do to have like healthier conflict in the middle of it? Yeah. Part of it is, uh, so the first thing I've had to learn over the years is that when I get in a disagreement with Kristen or any couple gets in a disagreement with each other, we typically blame the other person right. and go, Hey, the reason we're arguing right now is because you're doing this, this, and this. 
Mm-hmm. And while that, that might be true, the bigger issue, I believe, is, is our own sin and our own selfishness. Mm-hmm. And so you know, James 4, 1 says, what causes fights, what causes quarrels among you? It, he says it's the selfish desires that wage war within us. It might mm-hmm. say passions or uh, desire. Yeah. And so that really means the reason that I, you know, I argue with my, my, my wife is not because she did anything wrong or because of my kids or because of money or because of schedule. It's because there's something that I want and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in those moments where you're disagreeing, uh, first and foremost, like the place to start is not focusing on what the other person has done or not done, mm-hmm. but saying, how is my selfishness contributing to this disagreement right now? And I, I really believe like if we dealt with that, we'd minimize so much of the conflict we go through together. It's so good because it is, you're right. It's like, usually it's because I have some sort of expectation or I have some sort of selfish desire and it's not being met. So I need to, instead of putting it all on the other person, what is really happening right now? What, what is that in me that's really going on? I like to say, it's like my friend, Mike Foster always said, like, have this compassionate curiosity for yourself Mm. of like, Mm. where is that coming from? Why are you so heated right now? Like, what is that really? What is that really? So good. Yeah, it's so much of like it's, it's you you nailed it, Kate. You just said it. It's unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. We have expectations about everything in our life. Yeah. Right. And especially in relationships. And yeah. so when those expectations are met, it's it's only normal to be frustrated, but you gotta figure out a better way, or we've got to figure out a better way to deal with it than, you know, just getting into arguments and fights over it every single time where our expectations are not met. I totally agree. Yeah. And like, I think, and you also talk about this, I think in the book, but like, it's like, okay, well, having compassion and curiosity with ourselves um, on why we have those expectations and then trying to be selfless. I think that's the hardest part in this is like uh, trying to be selfless when we feel wronged or when we like, how am I supposed to do that when I feel wronged? You know, it's the hardest thing. It, when, that's why that's why people always say marriage is so difficult. Mm-hmm. It's if they're really being honest. I love that. What was the phrase? Curiosity. Uh, yeah, compassion. compassionate curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I if I can really grasp that, then I know that my selfishness is, uh, you know, is so much is the reason we are where we are, mm-hmm. and uh, that that kind of searching within and realizing it's not somebody else, it's really me. Mm. That goes a long way in dealing with our unmet expectations and all of our conflict. Totally agree. And it's like, how can we just like be more Jesus-like in Mm. fights, right? Because it's not to say that Jesus didn't get angry. And I actually think that there's Mm -hmm. a way to have some level of healthy anger um, uh, on in some ways, but also trying to understand and like not assume. I think for me, what I've learned at least the most, I'll just speak about myself, is that to not assume the worst of the other person. Uh, to really try to assume like, okay, their intentions are good. I'm. They're not just trying to get me here. You know, yeah. I think we immediately yeah. go to they're trying to get me. Worst case scenario or something along that line, and then it becomes you versus them versus yeah. okay, this person is in this relationship. Relationship where we're deeply committed to one another. Um, if you're engaged and you're moving towards marriage, right? And so it's like, okay, if I know they're on my team, they're on my team. That maybe they didn't have this intention. Maybe they're unaware yeah. of what they were actually trying to say or what they actually said and how it came across. So good, so good. Like if you look at that, you know, the classic love passage, you know, First Corinthians thirteen mm. and verse seven. You know, one of the lines in there says that love believes all things. Mm. I remember hearing that so many years ago that if we, if we love the other person, we're not going to assume the worst. We're going to believe the best, mm, that's and, and that's another one. If we just had that posture, if we would go into every disagreement and go, hey, this this person, you know, when we're married, we're one flesh with each other. We're uh, you know, the, the man leaves his father and mother, becomes united to his wife. They become one with each other instead of knocking them down and assuming the worst. I want to believe the best about them. And then and then we clarify yeah, because they're not always doing the best thing. But at least yeah. that's a great posture to come to that conversation with. And I think, too, in that, what's so good is like, oh, I love this topic, obviously. I'm like, ooh, let's just talk about conflict forever. <laughs> no, but it's like also even if the person ha- is really wrong, right? Let's say the person like really did something outlandish. Instead of making it like you, 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 like – 
even helping them to to come to it on their own and with kindness, which is the hardest thing because if yeah. you're feeling wrong, wronged, you're like, I don't want to be nice to them right now. But to be yeah. like, you know, like help me to understand why you got so defensive about that or why you phrase that this way um, or whatever it is, like, you know, the help me to understand. And the, it made me feel this way, like I statements versus like you are this or you did yeah. that. And because then someone feels attacked and then Im- immediately, I know when people do that to me, I'm like, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Even if yeah. they're right, I'm like, my first instinct is like, oh, I got to defend myself right now, you know? Yeah. Good. Really good. Yeah, that uh, just that um, reframing it and seeing it in a way that that's a great way to learn more about one another. And, you know, just like being kind and sitting on the couch and never getting in any good conversations, that's, that's boring. Yeah. It's okay to do that every once in a while, but right. like just discovering more about one another, uh, putting their needs first again, just dealing with that selflessness, seeing mm. conflict in a, in a different way. And and not in a negative, but it just gives us an opportunity to grow our marriage. Yeah. Some of our, you know, our best moments have come on the other side of disagreements. And I, you know, I go, what, what would have happened if we just kind of brushed it off or ignored it and didn't deal with it? I think we'd be bored together. We'd be just kind of going through the motions, but instead you got to do some of that hard work. Like the only promise about marriage in the whole Bible is 1 Corinthians 7, 28. It mm-hmm. says, if you marry, you will have trouble. Mm. And so just knowing that that it's going to come and you can't ignore it, you got to deal with it and work through it. Mm, that's so good. Now, on the flip side of that, Scott, when we talk about conflict, like we can't, we don't have to see it so badly, but do you have any thoughts on um on when is the max of saying, like, okay, this is too much like bad conflict. Maybe we shouldn't be together. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So there's, and you know, obviously there's no quantifiable measure of what that would look like, but mm-hmm. we've seen like a, a, the great thing about communication and conflict issues. So two things, one is the negative side that almost every couple who ends up miserable or getting divorced, uh, mm-hmm. conflict, the inability to resolve conflict is, you know, and money, those are always like one and two mm-hmm. on the list. Sex mm-hmm. is probably up at the top of that list yeah. as well. But the other thing we've seen, the flip side that I think is really encouraging is that people can actually learn how to communicate and resolve conflict. There are, mm-hmm. you know, steps you can take, uh, uh, scriptures you can look at, lessons you can learn that can move you from being a terrible communicator to a really healthy, really good one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that, like, what is what is too much? How do you know if there's too much conflict? If you can't improve in your relationship and the way that you resolve conflicts, yeah. you're not going to make it as a couple. Mm. And so if a couple comes to me and they just start dating and they're working through issues, and, you know, we, we go over some scripture together. We talk through how they can resolve conflict better. If they just if they do those things that the Bible says, if they both mm. apply it and both do it, they'll communicate in conflict in a much healthier way. Yeah. But if we meet a second time, a third time, and they haven't applied it, if they uh, continue to get stuck in the same patterns, I'm not real hopeful for their future. And so that's that's largely why I'd love to see couples work through this on the pre-married side so that you still have an out before you get married. Mm, that's good. Because it's not about like being the perfect communicator. It's about figuring out and learning and growing in that. Because let's say I'm a, a woman who talks with a lot of women all the time, right? I have lots of girlfriends. I The way I communicate with them and relate to them might be a little bit different than I'm going to communicate with my the guy I'm with. Um, yeah. Just because of our nature. Because uh, I can say things to girlfriends and they just know what I'm saying or they take it a certain way. But you say things to a guy a certain way and they're like, wait a second. I feel slightly disrespected now, or I feel like overly challenged or whatever it is. And it it could be taken differently. So I love that you're saying like, it's okay if you have some conflict or sometimes even bad conflict, just being willing to work on it. Um, And that requires both parties because uh, both people, if you're the one in the relationship, I see this happen a lot where they're like, oh, well, my partner just is a bad communicator and they're just, they will, you know, I'm just waiting for them to get better and I'm getting so frustrated. I'm like, well, what about on your end? What communication things can you work on? It's a team effort. Usually it's both people that need to work on both of their communication. <laughs> yes. And yeah, we don't have good models. Like nobody ever showed us 
how to do this well. Most, you know, most people who are getting married did not, I, and I hate this. This is so sad, but it's true. Is they didn't grow up in a home where mom and dad did this in a really healthy way. And so we don't have good models. We don't see it modeled well on TV. And so we've got to learn how to do it because it doesn't, it doesn't come to us naturally. It's so true. It's a learned thing, especially if it, based on your family of origin. So good. Yeah. And let me, one, one more thing too. Yeah. I, I, part of what I want to make sure this is clear too, is that some couples just have it easier than others. Mm. And so like I think about if two fiery personalities come together, they're going to conflict more. Yeah. Whereas some, you know, some couples are just like tend to be a little more chill. I, I'm thankful that's kind of how Kristen and I are, especially her. Nothing ruffles her feathers. She's so level-headed. I'm, I'm a little bit of a drama queen at times and so <laughs> causes some, some problem. I love it. You're admitting to it. Be real. I am. I am. I'm so much of a bigger <laughs> problem in our marriage. Uh, but, but like, we don't, we don't argue much. We just have personalities that we just tend to get along. And so that doesn't mean we're not healthy uh, because we don't conflict. And so that personality piece really fits into it as well. You know, I have other friends who are, they're both so strong-willed and they argue all the time, but they have such a great marriage because they work through it. And so you can't categorize it based on the quantity of conflict they have because some personalities just work together in a different way. So good that you said that because I so can relate in the way that like I have a little more of a bold personality, a little more of a fiery personality, and that could be challenging. And unless I'm with someone super chill, it's going to be more challenging yeah. for me. And that's actually okay. I found that it's actually better for, for me just personally in some ways because it helps me to learn and grow and it helps me yeah. to realize, oh, I can't always get my way or I can't just bulldoze people um, in fights or conversations. And I need to like be calm and listen yeah. and patient and gracious. <laughs> and okay, those things are good. Like those are good things. Um, but having someone else who's like a, a little more fiery will, yeah. usually refines me in that way. And it's it yeah. can be awesome. And so for me, I'm like, okay, I can't compare myself to the perfect couple that barely ever fights, but because they have different kinds of personalities. Okay. Yes. So it's yeah. really important to like not compare yourselves with the level of conflict of other people. It's really just about how can you, how do you healthily resolve whatever conflict yeah. you have together? It's good. What, what are you, what, what Enneagram are you? I'm a three. I'm not an eight, but I'm a three. So three. I would have guessed seven. I'm, you would three or seven. Yeah. yeah. You know, those three honestly are very interchangeable in some ways because they're, it's funny. They're usually the people that are like, you know, podcasters or some level of speakers or something because yeah. they just have a lot of energy and charisma. Yeah. Um, the eights are like the bold, fearless, challenging kind of people that make a change. And the sevens are, you know, they just want to have fun, constant joy. And then the threes are like kind of will be whatever you want them to be, which that sounds really bad, but, um, they, they're usually, they also are change makers. I'm just going to be confident in that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, but the, I usually, and most of my friends randomly are threes, eights or sevens. It's just uh, funny. Yeah. I guess I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Friends, I hope you're loving this episode with Scott as much as I am. Now, I just have a quick announcement. So next week is Valentine's Day, and I am so flippin' excited because if you are single and listen to this podcast, I do not want you to spend another Valentine's Day disappointed. That's right. Do not spend your night at home watching rom-coms alone, drinking wine, and eating chocolate. That is not what you're going to be doing this year. So I was trying to think of what I could best do to serve you in this season, and I ended up reaching out to my good friend, Kat Harris, who was a fellow love expert and podcaster herself as the host of the Refine Collective podcast. Together, you guys, we have decided to launch a girls' night, a Valentine's workshop girls' night. Now, sorry, guys, this one is not for you, but hopefully there are going to be more for both men and women in the future. So we wanted to empower the ladies this Valentine's Day to just get out there. So for one night only, just one night on February 13th at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern, we are doing a live two-hour workshop just for you. We're going to be talking about how to put yourself out there and meet quality men. 
Come on now, y'all send so many questions about this in, so I know you're gonna love it. For two hours, hours, you will get full access to us. We will be giving you our four-step roadmap to stepping out, feeling confident, and meeting quality guys. You'll get a workbook with recaps and questions and further inspiration, and you will also have the chance to ask us all of your burning dating questions at the end of the workshop. So ladies, don't spend another Valentine's Day alone, sad that you just are single this holiday. Come join Kat and I and feel empowered about what is ahead. To sign up for this one-time only Valentine's workshop, you can go to bit.ly slash Valentine's with Kate and Kat. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Valentine's with Kate and Kat. You can sign up for our workshop there and we can't wait to see you guys. Okay, so Scott, another conversation that you brought up in the book that I love that we should talk about before getting married is spiritual intimacy. And this can and and obviously should be a really pivotal part of the relationship. But I think the title of the chapter is um, on this is Does Faith Really Matter? Of course, for me, my instinct is yes, of course it matters. But um, I get, I'm surprised by how many questions I get asked just from this on this podcast about, you know, how much faith do I incorporate in my relationship and how much, when is too early to tell someone about my faith or when do we, what is the balance of that in our relationship? So, and, and one specific question I really want to bring up in this is a lot of people ask me this. They're like, should we pray together or not yeah. uh, before yeah. marriage? And so I'm curious to learn your thoughts on this. Great. Let me give you so two things. One, should you talk about your faith? Yes. Yeah. Right. And so here's what I found is that uh, so often that's the last conversation couples have. They see someone they like or they're introduced. They, you know, they're fun to be with. They're attracted to each other. And so they start hanging out together and they get pretty far down the road. Now their hearts are really connected. And then Finally, you know, months down the road, they, they start talking about their faith. And, and and it's such a mess. That really should be, like, from the beginning, don't be ashamed of it. You know, if you're, yes. if you're a follower of Christ, don't be ashamed of your faith because uh, you know, he, the Lord d- defines your life. He, he, mm-hmm. he is the one who helps you figure out what is your view on money and marriage and work and relationships. And, and so that should really guide the conversation. So instead of being the last conversation— that needs to be now. Don't be don't be the weird dude, you know, who on um, <laughs> date one is like dropping all kinds of theology, and that's what the whole date is about is how much Bible you know. That, that's not what. Oh I'm my gosh, about. yeah, that's not that's right? strange. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to not have date two, but yeah. don't be ashamed of your faith, and uh, it should be one of the first, if not the first, conversation. Even honestly, before you even go out with someone, yeah, I'd want to know, you know, where are they spiritually? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, agree I'm with not- that. And and for people who do online dating, I always tell them like, well, you can still figure out some of this if you're going to do an online date. Yeah. Like you can ask them, this is my key question. I tell this to people I relationship coach. I'm like, if you're doing online dating, you want to know if they're Christian, if they actually are a follower of Christ. Um, yeah. I ask them, what do you like? What are your top th- three things you like to do on the weekend? And in that, if they don't say one thing about church or community or something to related to that, which is a huge part of weekends in general for Christ followers, then I'm I'm usually like, hmm, okay. So I still don't fully write them off, but when they ask me usually the question back, I always incorporate in my answer. And then I base it on like, how do they respond to that? If it's crickets, then this is probably a bad indication. You know, like you can find out things about people and it's important to that's an awesome question to ask. I'm, I'm totally stealing that from you. <laughs> yes. You, yeah, you got to yeah. find out like, so what are your, it's like these little questions that are harmless, but you learn a lot about yeah. somebody. You also learn about what hobbies they're probably interested in too. Um, yeah. But usually for me, I'm like, that's a big one. I can make it really yeah. obvious and be like, what are your th- top three things to do on Sunday? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so I totally right. agree with you on that. Yeah. So the prayer one, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this too, Kate. So there's, yeah. you know, the Bible doesn't address it specifically. Mm. Yeah. You know, even like the Bible doesn't address dating and engagement right. at all. And, there, and there's even very little on marriage. Yeah. But, but what I would say, you know, it's a book about relationships, about mm. God's relationship with us. And so there's a lot we can learn from the Bible about how to relate, whether we're dating, engaged, married. 
And so what I've seen on this, and my views shifted a little bit over the years, uh, but like prayer is very intimate. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when we, whether we do that on our own or with, you know, with our spouse or significant other, it's a, you know, it's a pouring out of what's going on in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I don't go to the corner, you know, the street corner and just kind of cry out what's going on inside of me. Like, here's what I'm scared about. Here's what I'm right. excited about. I don't, you know, beg God for help out in the corner, out loud in front of others. Mm-hmm. It's something I tend to do in private, you know, in my own, yeah. when I, you know, sometimes like, you know, scream, not literally screaming out, but just yeah. begging God to help. Other yeah. times it's joyful praise and thanks and it's confession. And, and mm-hmm. so it's a really intimate thing. And so for two people to come together and experience that kind of intimacy there's a, there's a couple of cautions there, you know. So mm-hmm. if we look at Proverbs four twenty three, it says, mm-hmm. "Guard your heart, yeah. for it is the wellspring of life." And so I don't, I don't know if we know exactly what that means, but part of it is is that we need to protect ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and protect others from sharing too intimately mm-hmm. before we're married. Like we're knitting our hearts together in a way that's intended primarily for the one flesh marriage relationship. Yeah. And then we also see, if you look, you know, multiple times throughout Song of Solomon, it says, do not awaken love before it so desires. Right, right, right. And prayer is so intimate that it can awaken that love in a way that you might not be ready for in your relationship. So mm-hmm. those are those are my cautions. Mm-hmm. And then let me give you the flip side. Yeah. Uh, what I think it does do when we, when we do pray with somebody else, with somebody you're dating or engaged it does let the other person get really good insight into what you're struggling with and what you're excited about. It's a, it's a really good way to get to know one another. Yeah. Like you should pray before you go on a date, pray God would keep you pure, pure, pray that mm-hmm. God would allow you to have fun and get to know one another. I just wouldn't do that. Like in a, in a uh, apartment when the lights are off <laughs> and nobody else is around yeah. and you're snuggled up on a couch together because then it goes from, you know, spiritual intimacy to physical intimacy really, really quickly because Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so attractive and it's so uh, intense and personal. Mm. I completely agree with that. It's what you're saying is that is that prayer is really vulnerable. Um, Mm. And, you know, some people are so confident and comfortable like praying out loud for anybody and that's amazing and, and so cool. Um, but it's still vulnerable for most people. It's it's a very vulnerable place. You're connecting with your creator. You are yeah. potentially confessing things. Your heart is kind of out there. Your heart is out um, yeah. when we're really inviting God in, and that can be. So what I what I usually say and what I try to practice when I'm dating is. It's just the same way you would handle vulnerability in general for me. It's like you want it's like layers of an onion. So I would probably yeah. start a relationship maybe in the earlier stages like um you know on occasion praying generally it for people, praying generally for other people, um, praying individually, but I wouldn't start the relationship. This is just me, in my opinion. I wouldn't start relationships like praying for together for each other. Cause then it's like, Oh, we're praying for each other. We're praying that our relationship succeeds. Um, and that those prayers are fine. I would just do those more on your own or with your community. Um, because sometimes when you're both praying, you're both like praying, like, God, would you like, you know, have your will in this relationship? Would you bring us closer together? And you're praying with the other person about that, you're like, afterwards, you're like, now I feel so close to this person. I feel like this person yeah. should be with me, you know? Um, and it creates like a really deep connection. Um, and so that's like my caution, at least in the beginning, uh, on kinds of prayers or how to pray. So usually I'm like, pray, you could pray, but like, I love that. Don't pray just like alone in the house with the lights off yeah. and yeah. candles lit. No, no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially not. That's such a good response, Kate. I think we're I think we're completely aligned. And people have like really hot sports opinions on this of like mm-hmm. never do it, always do it. And I, I, it's one of those where the Bible doesn't give us a clear black and white answer. Yeah. And so you put cautions around it and and good wisdom around it. I think your counsel's really really mm-hmm. good. I, I I don't Thank disagree you. with anything you said. I think that's a really really wise way to lead people in that area. 
And it's just like you want to build it out similar to like the physical part. I mean, not to get into physical boundaries or all that stuff, but like the more and more you – I've seen people that struggle obviously with real uh, physical boundaries, but then I've also seen couples that like really struggle because they're really spiritually intimate and they're spending like four or five hours of like yeah. deep, intense prayer and communing together. I'm like, that's really intense. And you're creating like a soul tie almost with that person spiritually yeah. because you're spending like your hours and hours and hours connecting with them. Um, and it can be, it just adds to that fog when we kind of take it too much. Another thing in terms of spiritual intimacy I'd love to bring up is sometimes couples feel like insecure about what they might be learning biblically and they don't want to really share that with one another. And I find that like I've experienced that, especially with different men I've met just because of the vulnerability differences between where I like to be vulnerable and men sometimes want to be vulnerable. But what are, how do we combat that in a relationship? Like being uh, biblically vulnerable, I guess I would say. Such a good question. All right. And so, uh, so this is not just a young couple challenge. This is, this is a challenge for couples in my stage of life, for couples who've been married for decades and decades. Yeah. And part of it is, is like, we worry so much about what other people think about us. And because of that, we're afraid to share something. We're afraid to open up and be vulnerable. Mm. And so, um, you know, I think a great starting place is, is just to ask God to help you to be humble, mm. right? To be a learner, to uh, share with others without any kind of fear or share with others without pride. You know, sometimes we want to share because we're like, hey, I want you to see how smart I am and how much Bible I know. And I, you know, <laughs> just think, I can't remember the reference. I think it's 1 Corinthians eight maybe, but you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Mm. And we're so often, we just want to impress others. Mm. And so that leads one that, that makes somebody not want to shit, you know, hear from you because if yeah. you, all you're doing is teaching them and bragging, that's not going to help. And then the other side, if I'm just so insecure and I'm afraid, that's not helpful either. And mm. so that's, it's finding that balance of God, help me to be humble. I, I would love to share what I'm learning Mm. Uh, and I want to hear what my significant other is learning. And, we're, and it's not a competition, right? Yeah. If we are for one another, if you know, and if we're married, we're one flesh with each other. It should be a joy and honor to be able to share what God is teaching us. Mm. But, it, but it's so hard to do. Okay. And I, I've not, I've not cornered the market on this. You know, most married couples I know do not do a great job. And it's an area we, where frankly, we're married couples. Most married couples need to take a lot of ground. Yeah. And you know what's interesting as you're saying that what I realize like is my tendency is like I am like the achiever. We just established, right? I'm the three on the Enneagram. So what I'll do is like I kind of had these weird intentions of like, oh, well, I'm going to send them a verse or my devotional every single day to encourage them to share their things with me. But yeah. sometimes what that does is it makes the other person – more insecure and kind of feel like, oh, well, they're much better than I am, or they are yeah. going deeper, or they get God more, whatever it is. Like yeah. there's these weird thoughts we have and these like insecurities. Um, and it actually doesn't work in my favor usually mm -hmm. ever. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. not to say that I can't be authentic and share some of my encouragement from my devotionals or conversations with God, um, but that you need to make it a balance too of like, if you're going to share stuff, allow the other person to share as well. Um, give them space if they're, you know, and pray about it. My biggest thing for couples is like, if you're not seeing that in the other person, make it a safe place for them and pray about it. Like put the need out there, like say like, Hey babe or whatever. Like I feel so, I just love, I feel so close to you when we spare, mm -hmm. share spiritual things together. It just makes me feel really connected to you. Put that need out there, drop it, and you leave it. And you let them figure out what to do with it. <laughs> um, too yeah. often we're like, we force our agenda. It's like, okay, well, because that's my need, then I'm going to force you to like want it. I'm going to weirdly try to force you by like sending you all this stuff or always bringing it up. And it puts too much pressure, I think. Yeah. And, and, that's, a, and that's a good way, like, you know, what – your question of how do you really get to know someone, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about before, that's a great way to know where someone is spiritually. You know, is, is it one, are they the flip side of, I want to tell you everything I've ever learned <laughs> because I want to show you how great I am, or there's no relationship with God. And so they really don't have anything to share. Yeah. But I love what you suggested of, Hey, this would be something I think would be great for us. If we, 
we shared, you know, a couple of times a week, I'm going to send you a scripture. How, do, yeah. how does that make you feel if I do that? Does that encourage you or discourage you? Yeah. And that the person said, that would encourage. I'd love to hear what God is learning. That That's, or God is teaching you. God is not learning. Let me be very, very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God is teaching yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, uh, you know, I'd love to hear what, what you are learning from God. Or the yeah. flip side, if they go, no, I'm not, not interested and what you're learning, I could, that's a that's a really big flag, and I, <laughs> yeah. I put like caution around moving forward, significant caution yes. about moving forward with the other person. So good, completely agree. Yeah, and I think the other caveat is just to know that some people take a little bit longer to open up spiritually than others, yeah. Um, yeah. and I find it usually with guys I'm dating, and not that this is a gender thing, it's totally not because totally women can feel this way, but um, it just be you know, patient and pray. Like, I'm always just like, well, be praying, be really deep in prayer, your prayer life with the other person. God, show me if this person really has a heart for you. Like make that so clear to me. Um, and just be really deep in, in prayer and seeking counsel from other people on this journey, because that will, I mean, I've learned so much just when I've been really close to God in praying about it versus me trying to control it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Oh, good. So moving from spiritual intimacy, I'd love to also briefly touch on emotional emotional intimacy. And because I feel like we say intimacy and people automatically assume like physical intimacy, but uh, there's like spiritual yep. intimacy and emotional intimacy too. Um, and I love, okay, so on page 119, you talk about intimacy as to fully know and be fully known without the fear of rejection. So powerful to fully know and to be fully known without the fear of rejection. I love that. So can you kind of, let's break down why emotional intimacy is so important in our relationships and really what that is. Yeah. So this is actually, this chapter, the one where I talk about emotional intimacy is my story with Kristen. We really open up about kind of our story of meeting and dating and, uh, and it's been a really big challenge at times. And now is an area of like a real strength for us in our marriage. We're certainly not arrived but but we've grown a lot and and this is a little bit of a unique part in the book because it's something we don't really talk about and even what you just said a minute ago of expanding the definition of intimacy to not just mean physical or sexual intimacy but that emotional side and so the main part of it you know it's underrated we don't talk about it but it comes from that you know from uh, genesis 2 25 it says the man and the woman were together they were naked and there was no shame Mm. and and when you think about that verse i think what's so profound is that if we're really honest most of us walk around with with a lot of shame in our life you know Mm. whether it's things that are we've done things we believe about ourselves, and we carry around shame with us in a way that god does not want us to experience that shame it's okay to be convicted about sin but but shame is just this definition it kind of says this is who i am i'm a pervert i'm an alcoholic i'm a i'm a drug addict i'm a liar like we define ourselves by Mm. struggles we have or things we've done but the way that god that's not how god through christ sees us Mm. he sees us as a a forgiven redeemed individual Mm. and so if i if i'm with my with my wife and whether i'm fully clothed or completely naked to, to walk through life without shame is a, is a beautiful thing and is yeah. an incredible part of the marriage relationship that frankly married couples and churches don't talk about enough because it's so rich mm. it really comes into that again that vulnerability it's like it, yeah. to be fully known and fully seen is how god sees us you know it's like and that kind of love to experience that kind of love with another human being is so redeeming in ways like it's to say like oh wow those things i thought like really you know battered my past or marked my past actually someone else is seeing me and telling me and looking at me and saying like no you're i just love you for who you are i like see all those things and i still choose you and it's like oh gosh it makes me feel emotional just saying that so good yeah. So what are yeah, and, and, and one thing on that. Sorry to interrupt. Oh you, no, like Real, real quick. That I think we tend to think it's just women who want emotional intimacy, mm. and I, you know, I would just challenge you know any guys listening. We kind of want it too, and we avoid things because of the word emotion, and we we don't want to be emotional. And, and I like every guy I know. If he's really honest, you know, deep down he struggles with insecurities and fears and shame. 
And, and we want just as much as most women want, guys want this too. We want the freedom to be real, to talk about areas where we struggle and fears we have. And, and we also want to be able to share the good things in life as well. Yeah. And, you know, and it's something that's, you don't find it overnight. You know, we, it's, it's forged over a longer period of time, not something you find, mm. but it is so worth fighting for in your relationship. So good. And then you bring up in the book three different areas um, of int- emotional intimacy. Um, can we talk about that briefly? Just kind of that was new for me. I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I didn't even think about like those three different areas. Yeah. So, real brief, and I'll just say what they are and then give like yeah. a really quick example. And so, like, uh, emotionally intimate about my past. And so, I'm able to share here's my story uh, before we met. And so, here's what I struggled with. Here's the high points, here's the, the um, some of the low points, uh, here's like some vulnerable moments in my life. And so you're sharing that with your significant other. The present, just what's going on right now, like what are my day-to-day battles? So for me, you know, I struggle with food and lust. And so Kristen knows uh, that she can help me in those areas. She can, she's not my, she's not the lust police or the food police, but she can pray for me. She can help me, encourage me. And then I want to share too when I'm like, hey, I've been doing, I've been eating really well for the last, you know, whatever, the last uh, three or four weeks. And that's like worth celebrating. And yes. Kristen is the, the first one to celebrate with me. And so yeah. just being vulnerable and, and emotionally intimate there. And then future. So like, what does the future look like? What are my you know, writing the book was my, uh, you know, was my, my big goal. And I was so excited to, to do it. What if I shared that with Kristen and mm. said, Hey, Kristen, I really want to write a book. And she just laughs at me. Mm. Okay, that, that would be lacking emotional intimacy or, or the other side of like fears. So we, we've got, I've got four boys who are, yeah. uh, you know, 14, 14, 12 and 10 at the oh time gosh. that we're recording this, yeah. which is so fun, <laughs> but they're not academically, you know, elite. They're certainly not athletically elite. Mm-hmm. And I get like how, like my biggest fear, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest is like, how am I going to get these kids through college? If that's the best step for them. And, you know, what are we going to do in the future? I, <laughs> I certainly don't want them in my house, you know, yeah. <laughs> beyond, the, beyond the age of like 18. Yeah. Or 19 you're like, and, you know, bye. Yeah. bye guys. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. As much <laughs> as I love them and I love them a lot. And so like, you know, we've got to be able to express those fears to each other too. So past, present and future. That's so good. I kind of like, I just love breaking that down. I'm like really big on systems. I'm like, okay, everyone, like this is how you can systematically practice more, not systematically, practically incorporate different areas of emotional intimacy and be able to check in. Like, have I shared my past with this person? The things that, you know, I briefly talked to someone more recently who was like, I just don't know if I want to share that at all before ever with someone. I'm like, hmm. I would say that like, you know, eventually those things are going to come out. So how, you know, that's take some, maybe you should seek some healing on some of those things. Um, and, but I would encourage you that like, that is the most beautiful thing for someone to be able to see the deep things that you don't want to share with a lot of people and be able to still love you and accept you. Um, And then the present of like, what am I currently struggling with? So many people run by each other, don't even talk about like, what's really going on in your life right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially yeah. when you get into the rhythms of life with someone. Um, yeah. And then future. I love that too. Well, I'm all about the future envisioning and planning. So whoever <laughs> ends up with me is like, I'm always going to be doing that. But sometimes it's harder. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and so you need someone who's going to, you know, for you, Kate, like who's going to be excited about helping you process. And like, if you yeah. were to date or marry someone who just goes, ah, eh, that's stupid. You know, right? quit, quit giving ideas. Like you're, you're, oh you're going to struggle together. And so instead you want someone who, who also won't like freak out every time you share an idea. <laughs> yes. Somebody who's like willing to like walk you through it and listen and ask good questions and encourage you in that. Cause that's who God's made you to be. And so yeah. uh, again, like that's why these conversations are so important before you get engaged or before you get married. So you know who you're, committing to when you say I do. Yeah. Can you actually be on mission with this person? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a huge thing. Like, I think, I mean, Gary Thomas talks about this in his book, The The Sacred Social. You talk, you mentioned this too, but like how to be on mission together. Like our greatest goal is like, you want a shared mission. I think this first chapter of Gary Thomas's Sacred Search book is like, 
if you're not on mission, you like should not marry that person. Like right. if you can't yeah. find like a shared mission. Um, and so you guys have to be able to talk about these things, present and future things to be able to figure out like, could we be on mission together? Like, can you? But if you're not talking about it, then how do you know if you could actually be on mission together? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I'll tell you this, like anyone listening, go read your Bible, number one. Okay. Number two, go read before you read anything by me, read Gary Thomas. That guy, is, <laughs> yes. I've learned so much from him, so much. And he so loves good. the Lord. And uh, uh, and I mean, everything he's written has been has made such a huge impact on me. So It's so good. That, then, that book, The Sacred Search and The Sacred Marriage, awesome, awesome books. So good. And then, yeah, if you're done reading all his books, then you can buy mine. But, <laughs> uh, but his stuff is so good. So good. He wrote the foreword for your book, I think, right? So cool. So awesome, Gary. Such a great guy. I say Gary like I know him because I do. Because he's been on the podcast before. I'm not just like, hey, Gary. No, he's so, so great. Um, Okay, Scott, one more question or one more topic I want to kind of bring up before we wrap up our conversation. But um, I think one of the most undervalued areas of marriage and relationship is friendship. And Hmm. uh, this is just, it's so pivotal. And so, and I think while we're having all these conversations and we're getting diving in deep into spiritual, emotional intimacy, figuring out conflict. Some of that's a bit heavy. We also need to like make sure we're having fun because otherwise it's just the deep combos. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. And you're building a relationship on heaviness. Um, So how can we build friendship and make sure that on the balance of all of this, uh, we are still having fun? (laughs) No, so important. Okay. And so like for the first, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years I was on staff and I was leading our pre-married ministry. We talked a lot about like the hard parts of marriage. Yeah. You know, money's difficult, communication's difficult, expectations, selfishness. And, and you know, and a few people would come up to us and, they, and they'd say, do you ever, like, do you ever have fun? Do you ever, do you <laughs> like being married? And it was like such a, such a punch in the gut of like, <laughs> oh, we have missed it. Right. And so like we, yeah. we talk about the hard, but we don't talk about all the great stuff. And, and you combine that with like the verbiage that most people use. They say my the old man, the old lady, the old ball and chain. And it sounds <laughs> like we just are kind of miserable together. Oh. And frankly, part of the reason why so many couples just move in together or why they go from one relationship to the next without committing is because they've never heard this real compelling picture for for marriage of one of being on mission like you said a minute ago and then just how much fun it is Mm -hmm. and so we did this uh, very unscientific i I emailed Mm -hmm. 400 leaders in our ministry men and women and asked them in like one word or one phrase to tell me your favorite part of marriage Mm -hmm. and when we looked at those responses the like ridiculously uh the highest percentage by far was companionship and friendship It was like, it, it was, you know, like four to one, you know, some mm-hmm. people said sex, some said, um, you know, just, uh, uh, I can't remember some of the others. Like, <laughs> it is so resoundingly. Yeah. 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 But all that mattered was like that, that adventure, the companionship, yeah. the friendship. And so we're missing it by not talking about how, how fun marriage is. Yeah. And I understand why people aren't getting married. It's because they're not hearing married couples talk about how great it is. And how much fun they can have. Yeah. yeah. It's true yeah. because we talk about like, I always am like encouraging people, yes, you got to know that it's work and you're, you have to go in like wanting to learn and grow, like go in knowing it's going to be refining. But yeah. also, yeah, on the flip side, we got to talk about like the fun and, and bring that in if it's not happening. We bring it in, yeah. prioritize it. Yeah, fun looks different for every couple. Like, you know, I think about uh, some, you know, one set of friends who, like, they'll build forts together and watch movies in a fort. Oh, that's you cute. Know. I love that. It's really cute, but yeah. I would never do that. It makes <laughs> me kind of want to vomit for me thinking of doing it, but it's awesome for them. Or other yeah. friends who are on the lake together every weekend, they're kind of extreme and they, uh, like, that's so fun for them. For Like, for me and Kristen right now, hanging out with our kids is a blast. Now, that's you know, awesome. that won't be. That won't always be the case. And when they were really young, it was not that much fun. But now, like, that's what fun is for us. And so yeah. fun looks different for every every couple. But we've got to be intentional about adding that to our relationship. And then the other thing I'd say is if you are in a dating or engaged relationship 
and you're not having fun, this is a pivotal moment mm. for you to say, okay, wh- like, are we capable of doing it? Which answer is yes. <laughs> and if so, let's figure out some things to do. And if you kind of get to the other end of that trial and you're not having fun, mm. that's another one where I go, I, I don't know if I'd move forward towards marriage because marriage is, is, a, is a long relationship, right? <laughs> it's a grind and there better be a lot of moments for fun in there. So if you can't get that on the pre-married side, it's probably not going to happen on the married side. Oh, it's so true. And something that you, that's just bringing up in my mind is um, I talked to my friend Cheryl Scruggs and I love her and her husband, Jeff. They actually live yeah. in Dallas as well. But uh, it's, it's so cool that to hear her talk about like, well, we were so focused on our kids and we had so much fun with our kids, which is huge. And, but then what we didn't realize is once the kids leave, we're just left with each other. And so then yeah. that's a long time still that you're actually left time. with that person after just that you and them after the kids leave. So um, you better still like the friendship, you know, like because yeah. some people are like, oh, well, it's okay. We're going to, you know, we'll have kids and the family and that'll be our focus. And like, it's, you know, I'll be, then we'll connect. But yes, yes, for sure. But then what about when they leave? Then you're just stuck with that person. Like it's just yeah. you guys. It's just y'all. Yeah. And so you, yeah. that friendship is so pivotal because, yeah, later in life, there's still a lot of years that it's just going to be you and that person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you don't yeah. want to just have a roommate. You want to have like that fun life partner. Yeah, till death do us part. If you know, that's a long time for, for most couples. Yeah. And uh, you're going to wish for it to come sooner rather than later if you're not having fun with one another. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds harsh, and I kid, but but for real, like you want to. Um, you know, that companionship is so, so rich and underrated and mm. under talked about by married couples and by the church. And mm. So find someone that you love being with and have fun with, and you can still have other friends. Like, you know, the guy can still have his bro friends and she can still have her, yeah. uh, you know, female friends. It's not saying you got to cut off every relationship, but yeah. You better get along and have fun with one another. Oh, it's so good. I love that chapter in your book too. And um, we're running out of time right now, but everyone like listening, there's so many more things that Scott covers in the Ready or Not book that I just highly, highly recommend. And even on this topic, you kind of touch on what to do with other friends and opposite sex relationships and stuff. And so if y'all are more interested in those things, you have to go pick up Scott's book, Ready or Not. We're just going to be promoting you, Scott, right now, because truly it's like, it's so good, especially for couples um, or just if you're curious on what that, the kinds of things you should be aware of going into dating. Um, okay. So Scott, as we wrap this conversation up, it's been so awesome. I always ask every guest the same last question. So I'm going to ask you, what is your just final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? Oh man. Okay. Boil, boil <laughs> 13 years down to one thing for a dating couple. Okay. Yeah. So here it's actually, it's a really easy answer for me. Yeah. And so sometimes you hear this, like, don't, you've got a date in community. And so some people will say never spend time alone and you always mm-hmm. have to be with a group. There, there's certainly benefit in being in a group, but you should have a good combination of the two when you're yeah. on your own one-on-one and when you're hanging out with a group together. But like a day, I think a trend I've seen that uh, I've heard, you know, countless times over the years is the couple who man and woman are really plugged into church. They're doing great. They've got a great group of friends or hang around other people. But then they start dating and they disappear. Like nobody sees them yeah. for months, right? <laughs> There's actually a phrase I read somewhere. It's called submarining. Yes. Yeah. Right? Oh they're, they're on the surface and then they go under the surface and they disappear. <laughs> and then they reappear and they're like, hey, we're about to get engaged. And, and you know, and they ask people like, what do you think? Should we get engaged? And frankly, <laughs> most people would probably say to them, I have no idea because <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen you in months. I don't know. like." Is he nice to you? Is she kind to you? Do you like, is he a gentleman? Right, I'm, yeah. I'm old school here. Right? Yeah, like I love it. Is he opening the door? Is he going to be chivalrous? Uh, mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean he's better. I just want to see him be a better servant leader. Yeah, but I just want to see him be like Christ. And yeah. so, does he act like Christ? Does she act like Christ? And if you don't have anyone who's able to speak into your relationship, that's a really, really big problem. And so, don't submarine date. Yes. And bring others in all along the way. Yeah, that is so, so good. I love talking and encouraging people. Make sure you have a board of people, your board of advisors, Mm -hmm. like six to eight people that you 
confide in that, you know, you're not telling the masses about, you know, your conflicts all the time, but the six to eight people, those are the people that you can go to outside of your relationship that have eyes in the relationship. You know, like those are the people you want to be able, and it's helpful because when you're just doing conflict with that person one-on-one, like it can get so, you can get so lost in it. You need, we have black, we have blinders sometimes, you know, we have blind spots, like pray a lot, but seek that wise counsel. I love that. The submarining thing is, is so real, Scott. I've been guilty of that in the past, to be honest. And it's, and it's, it's tough when you're like infatuated or you're like, Ooh, this is so fun. And, um, but yeah, you got to keep people around you. I love that. Yeah, advice. and if you've got like all single friends and it's like, I don't want to rub it in their face and always be like, hey, guess what I'm doing again? You don't want to come with us? Nobody wants to be the third wheel. Yeah. And so there's there's a way to do that and help. Like if, you, uh, if you've got good friends, they would love to spend time with you as a couple and help you evaluate the relationship. And then you do the same thing for them down the road if that's their story. Yeah, so good. Scott, this is awesome. Thank you so much for just sharing all your insight, all your wisdom. And so for everyone who's listening to get your book, Ready or Not, where can they where can they go to get it? It's out yes. now. <laughs> yes. So Amazon would be, you know, probably the most popular place. You can go to so my website. The good thing about my name is that there aren't many of us. And so I can get my own URL. Yes, that's great. So yeah. So scottkadersha.com. And so K-E-D. Mm-hmm. slash ready has all the information who it's for why we why i wrote it endorsements so it's endorsed by some awesome people so yeah. just to get some credibility there and then all the places you can buy it if you want to get you know hard copy soft copy audiobook all the options are available on, on that site so awesome. Okay. Everybody's going to go out and get it. Come on now, people. I love it. I'm going to, I will share about it all on Instagram too, but Scott, thank you so much. Today was such a a treat and I'm so proud of you and excited for this book and just what it's going to do for couples. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for stepping out. Thank you, Kate. You're awesome. I love what you're doing and grateful for it. I mean, I love listening to these podcasts. They're <laughs> helpful for me as a guy who's, you know, who's married to help me get better counsel. So oh, keep God. doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Friends, I hope you were just so enriched by that conversation with Scott today. He is the man and his book is so phenomenal. So will you do me a favor and thank Scott for all that he does to pour into the lives of couples and go grab a copy of his new book, Ready or Not. You can either get it at amazon.com or on scottkadersha.com. If you are seriously dating, engaged, or just want extra preparation, this book is for y'all. So definitely go and check it out. Now, something I really want to stress from our conversation today is that above all, even while you have these conversations, I also want to encourage you to have fun. Scott mentioned that in a sense, we are missing it by not talking about how fun marriage is. And I totally agree. Scott says, if you can't have fun on the unmarried side, it is probably not going to happen on the married side. So y'all, yes, have all the serious combos, but also don't forget to have some fun too, okay? I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.